Welcome, I'm Larry Olson, and what's on your mind? Once set, it delivers your life. To change the outcomes we want, we must change the plays we're running. Join us at Mindset Playbook with real people, real talk, for real insight. Today's episode is sponsored by Apernio, an achievement acceleration company whose approach to professional development enables clients to gain insights and perspectives to live, work, and engage with more success. I want to welcome you and thank you for tuning in to Mindset Playbook, where we uncover the habits, attitudes, beliefs, and expectations that create our guests' mindsets and the plays they use to overcome diversity so they may accomplish prosperity and well-being. And I know you have a variety of channels to choose from. And so once again, we we want you to know, my guest and myself, how important it is to make sure this is a valuable experience for you. So with that being said, my guest today is Michelle Rines, a speaker, author, coach, entrepreneur, founder of MDR Coaching and Consulting, Inc., and the creator of the unconventional badass leader brand. Now, early in her leadership career, she was an absolute, now these are her words, ass as a boss, oblivious to the impact she was having on people. And perhaps like some of us, she didn't understand how to lead. Michelle looks forward to sharing her thrills of victory and agonies of defeat with a goal of helping you unlock the art of leading like a badass. Welcome, Michelle, to Mindset Playbook. Hi, Larry. Thanks so much for having me. Great to be here. Well, wonderful to have you. Thank you. You know, Michelle, with what you've experienced as a bad leader, as well as the taking the steps to transition into a good one, how would one go about to recognize that they are a bad leader? Well, I'm hoping it won't be the path that I followed where your team informs you with a walkout. That's not the way that's ideal to learn, which is exactly, yeah, oblivion can be painful and does come at a price. And in in the case of my um, lesson, I lacked the self-awareness. I'd also hadn't established those relationships from mentors and people who would give me authentic feedback. And I wasn't in the mindset of even asking for feedback. So my my hope would be that you have a mindset for asking for feedback regularly, having trust a, a circle of um, your your circle of trust of people that you can go to and say, you know, give me the good, bad, and the ugly on how this is doing, and not be fearful around asking that. You're less likely to have the blow up that I did. My mm-hmm. ego, unfortunately, was at that time um, just very um, self righteous. Um, lacked self-awareness, very numbers and uh, production driven. And I pushed and I was oblivious. I wasn't open. And that can be quite costly, not only for me as as the, I will say manager, because I certainly wasn't a leader, but also for the people that unfortunately had to report to me, um, mm. because that's tremendous collateral damage for them um, as well, which is, um, you know, the onus is on us as, as those who are Um, gifted with the responsibility of others to get that part right. And unfortunately, I failed miserably. (laughs) Well, you probably had a little teaching and education growing up 
that would cause one to be kind of blind to the emotions and feelings of others, perhaps because who were raising them were blind to demonstrating that to you. And that, you know, not to be putting you on a couch and doing a psychoanalysis, <laughs> but did you have a background that maybe wasn't producing someone who would bring out the best in others? Most definitely. So you you nailed it, hit it right on the head, Larry. Um, I was modeling the behaviors of my father, who was very autocratic. I was, you know, he's an autocratic disciplinarian. Um, you know, you come home with the A minus and you get lectured about what are you going to do to make it an A plus? Um, okay. not, you know, so it's that nothing's ever good enough. You know, it's really hard to get um, appreciation. And I and it was, you know, highly disciplined, which you know, the flip side of that is I benefited as an entrepreneur because I have some really good disciplines of my own. But unfortunately, when I was promoted to my level of incompetence as a manager, um, I modeled the behaviors that I was familiar with. And those behaviors do not serve people. It certainly doesn't um, serve what you want to be a high performance team. They'll perform for you, but you only get them so far. You won't get them as far as when you actually do know how to lead effectively and, and rally a team and, and create a, create a healthy environment versus just a performance driven environment, which is a very different feeling. Yeah. You, you, you mentioned the Peter principle. Yes. And uh, it's interesting. Talk about blind spots where we we get promoted to our highest point of incompetency um, and don't have the tools to be able to advance beyond that. So in your works, are you um, are you taking a look at what's necessary for people to be able to break those blind spots and and develop the tools to be a great leader? Absolutely. That's my passion. I When I left corporate America and made that big, um, scary decision to walk away from the creature comforts of a uh, 401k a benefits package and, um, and a nice, you know, I had, had arrived at a VP position in a very well-established organization and had um, lots of experience, 30-something years of experience under my belt. Um, so yes, that's what I focused on. As I said, I want to help other, um, individuals want to help leaders learn how to lead, develop the competence and the confidence to know how to build high performance team, regardless of their background. And as you can see, based on my background, or for those of you who can see it, um, I have a very unconventional brand and that was with great intention. I really wanted to touch an audience that I feel are the the masses, the, the masses are not the white collar, um, C-suiteers. The, the masses are the everyday leaders. And I wanted to create and design a brand and be a voice for them to give them a place to something that to, they can identify with to help develop their competence and competence around leading and developing themselves, expanding their self-awareness, and then be able not only to self-manage, but more importantly, if we lack self-awareness and self-management, I'm not telling you anything you don't already know. Um, but we're never going to have the capacity to develop a high performance and certainly not a badass team um, if we don't take care of ourselves first. And so, you know, it's like put your oxygen mask on first, put your leadership mask on first, and then you can help others. And so that is what I do every day. That's what makes my heart sing. Um, when I left uh, the corporate world, I decided I wanted to do something that if I won the lottery, I would continue to do the work. The difference would be, be solely for nonprofit. 
And um, that's exactly what I did. And I, I absolutely love it. And I'm, I consider myself uh, blessed to have the opportunity to work with those um, put in the charge of others. All right. Well, you know, whenever we hear words, which is how we think with words, and those words cause us to take some form of action, most of the words we hear are from our past. And we've all heard the word badass before. Yes. So there's a multitude of definitions. Um, <laughs> how do you describe a badass leader? I think it's my definition of badass is someone who's willing to challenge themselves and mm. who wants to intentionally put themselves outside their comfort zone, take risks responsibly, not recklessly. And um, in, in first and foremost, it's how we challenge ourselves, how we stretch, how we feed our minds, how we live life to the fullest, how we appreciate time with family and friends, you know, really um, it, it, from a corny standpoint, um, and not in the negative way, it's really living as if you're dying. And I mean that um, because when I walked away from corporate America, I was just about a couple of years shy of my 49th birthday, and uh, which was when my mother passed. She had uh -huh. a sudden, yeah, sudden massive coronary, unexpected, you know, beautiful woman, five foot seven, 125 pounds, Looking at her, you would think she was a picture of health. And then she just didn't wake up one morning. And so I started thinking about my mortality in my mid-40s, which seems kind of odd to be to <laughs> thinking about that. And so I very intentionally chose to change the direction of my life and live as if, what if I only had two years left? How would mm -hmm. I want to live those years? What would I want to do? What would make my heart sing? And, and what do I want to invest in? And so I think that I was an absolute badass to walk away from a very comfortable salary and position and take my life savings and become an entrepreneur and just say, I'm going to get out there and, and figure this thing out. And I didn't have any competencies around entrepreneurship and had to figure out how do you incorporate? I mean, everything has been, you know, kind of a, the, the first the first time I've done something and uh, other than run organizations and corporations, that is a transferable skill set. But entrepreneurship is a whole different ballgame. You know, there, that's where the saying, if it's to be, it's up to me, <laughs> is lived wholeheartedly. And so that is really a long-winded definition of what it is to be badass. It's to live life outside your comfort zone and really embrace the things that you would say that, hey, if I only had two years left, what would I do? What would I, you know, what chances would I take? What adventures would I live? I've learned all sorts of things. I've never been happier than uh, than as I am now. I mean, I, I'm happy personally. I'm happy maritally. I'm happy professionally. Um, I'm happy physically. I'm healthy. You know, I mean, so that's what um, being badass is. All right. Very, very nice. You talk about apparently the number one aspiration and goal of the human race, which is happiness. And theoretically, everything we do is to attempt to be happy or get a little happier or get out of our funk and sadness or whatever the case may be, but it becomes this vision that most people really never articulated to themselves. You have mentioned that you're in a state of happiness and, and I am a proponent that you don't wait for something to make you happy that you choose to be happy and bring oh, it yeah. to everything else. You bet. How, how, where was your aha moment when you made the shift, you know, and, I, and we can all assume it was the, the being 
let go or being having your people walk away. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, that's a pretty big slap in the face. That's a look in the mirror yes. thing. You could have denied it all and said they were all bad people, <laughs> <laughs> which is not a good sign of a badass leader. No. Um, but wh- where did the big um, I get it kind of come in your life that that be- allowed you to start experience happiness in all areas of your life, not just professionally? What fantastic insights we are getting into in this episode. If this resonates with you and is provoking and of value, please consider the best-selling book of Get a Vision and Live It by your host, Larry Olson, at LarryOlsonLive.com. Thousands of our listeners have found tremendous value from Larry's book, which has been an inspiration to Mindset Playbook's guests. You'll find everything you need to live the best version of your life while accomplishing things now that were once only imagined. The results you'll get will absolutely amaze you. Find the book at LarryOlsonLive.com. And now let's get back. You won't want to miss what's to come on this episode of Mindset Playbook. It's, this is a pretty loaded answer. And okay. it goes back to when I was eight. Okay. And uh, my uh, mom the one who unfortunately passed at 49. She's, I call her my Cinderella. I just adored um, everything about her. And when I was eight, she made a really tough decision of feeling that she wasn't worthy of me as a daughter and she wasn't doing a good mom job. So she ended up putting me on a United flight out of Chicago and sending me to her ex-husband, who was my stepfather. And that I, ha- I had a lot of time to think and to cry on the plane as a young eight-year-old first, first, I think it was the first time I ever actually flew mm-hmm. and leaving the love of my life, which was my mother, and then going to um, my stepfather, who she didn't know at the time was my abuser. And I was certainly too afraid to ever say anything because you know how abusers are. Um, they, they tell you that if you ever say anything, you'll never see that you see your mother again. Um gotcha. And so I reframed, I'll use this coaching word because I'm a coach now. I reframed that somehow as an eight-year-old during that five-hour flight from Chicago. And knowing that I would have a new mom, he was newly married of about two weeks. I had met her, really liked her. And by the time I came, descended from the airplane, which then we had to you know, do the exterior um, climb, off the plane and approached her. I um, asked her in the car, literally leaving the airport, if it would be okay if I called her mom. And so I think that is when when I look back on that, that's a really powerful thing for an eight-year-old little girl to do. But I I knew I needed it because my mom was my, my Cinderella. I needed a new mom. I also needed an ally somehow. And, and then I just set on to be a happy, healthy child and make the best of, of, of a very awkward, uh, is a conservative word, um, circumstance. And until I became of age 17, when I decided to run away from home. Gotcha. And so, and it wasn't because I had an, I still have an amazing relationship with my, I call it stepmom. It's just to describe the differences. Sure. I had a great relationship with both parents. And so for me, it just became something that I, I um, embraced at an extremely young age of um, reframing and uh, and making the best, uh, you know, making lemonade out of lemons, if you will. And mm-hmm. I've done that my whole life. You know, I, if I make a decision and it's not the right decision, I try and extract the lesson within it 
and make a new decision and keep moving forward. I'm not one to, to cry over spilt milk. Um, and yes, what happened to me was, was terrible, but I am not, a I am not the person who's bad. <laughs> you know, that was a bad person. It was a bad situation. And I have, um, I, I wouldn't change my life for anything. I am who I am and I'm where I'm at and able to do the work that I do because of all of that, the good, bad, and the ugly. Yeah. And so I was, I really think that it comes back to that moment of, um, when I was eight and I've, I've done that multiple times in my life. And just like when the pandemic hit in 2020, I uh, immediately got excited about now I have the sequestered time. Um, yes, it was a scary time. I'm not going to minimize the impact of what happened during the pandemic, but I chose to empower myself to say, what can I, what can I do? And what can I work on? How can I make the best of the cir circumstance. I don't know how, if we're going to be here for two weeks, two months, two years. And, and I did that. I just pulled up my sleeves and, and hunkered down and, and really thought about how can I transform my business and take it to the next level? How can I make an impact with my customers? How do I help people? And so that, um, you know, that I feel was shaped um, long, a long, long time ago. And it's something I'm really grateful for. You know, it reminds me of Viktor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning, where this, he was able to survive just an unconscionable uh, reality and because of the way he thought about it. And here you are, an eight-year-old girl, leaving your mom, could have gone in the direction that nobody wants me. Mm -hmm. Dad left when he divorced her. Um, she apparently doesn't want me. And how easy, you know, you said put the big V on your forehead for yeah. victim. How easy it would have been. And I would say probably 90% of people would have gone there. And for some reason, within just meeting this woman who probably knows this is going to be awful, having her thinking that, you know, I don't want to replace her mom, but I want to be there for her. And you break that all of that by saying, can I call you mom? Yeah. That yeah. is so huge. That's badass right there. Thank you. And then that domino, look at the effect that had on your life. Oh, it was huge. It was huge. And, uh, and I, um, um, and I had, and both of my moms had great, a great relationship with one another. And mm -hmm. I always felt lucky because I had two moms. I just had one who loved me enough to know that she wasn't in the capacity to take care of me. So she loved yeah. me enough to give me to someone who she genuinely thought could do a better job. Wow. And it was the most loving thing that she could do. I never held and harbored any anger toward her. I have nothing but gratitude. And, yeah. um, and so, and then I ended up with an, an amazing mom number two. Um, and so I have two moms so, and, <laughs> and multiple grandparents. And so I, you know, I, it's just, again, it's that whole yeah. uh, capacity, I, you know, of being able to reframe your mindset in a way that serves you and others and serves the life that you deserve to lead. You know, we, I get to choose the life that I get to have. I'm not, you know, it's, I, I determine my attitude right now, tomorrow, next month, a year, the qualitative aspects of my life are a hundred percent. My responsibility, the qualitative aspects of my marriage are a hundred percent. My responsibility. If I approach things with that mindset, I'm going to get a hell of a lot further and get all the, the benefits of it. That, and if I worry about horse trading 50, 50 and, or, you know, what has he done for me lately? What has this customer done for me? Or what has this coach done for me? I'm, I'm just going to be hundred percent responsible. That's so much easier to, to make that choice. It's more <laughs> empowering. Wow. Wow. 
You know that in I've got a leadership course and and the the first lesson is to get over yourself. <laughs> it's a good lesson. <laughs> you know, and it's not that you're not amazing, that you're not just an incredible human being, but it's not all about you. Right. Right? We got to make it about those that we're serving. And you have are really articulating that so well. Um there's just so much wisdom behind the experiences that you've had. And, um, you know, it's been a real blessing to have you on. And I'm, I'm sure the people that are listening are getting inspired. Oh, thank you. Because we don't know we drift into victimhood. We, we don't oh, know yeah. that. Why do they people drive so fast or why do they drive so slow? And here we're pouring all this cortisol in our system, uh-huh. which is not healthy over someone else's behavior. Yeah. That we have no control over. So get, you know, people are going to be interested in in how they reach out to you and and tell them a little more about the badass leader brand and um how how they can get together with you should that be a choice they want to make. Yeah, absolutely. I would love to hear from your listeners. The brand is very um easy to remember. badassleader.com. And um, of course, I have the book, which is From Bad to Badass Leader. And it's, again, a story of leadership lessons that I learned, mainly boot and mouth moments, right? The bumps, the bruises, the mistakes I made, the humble pie that I had to choke down on on numerous occasions. (laughs) And so it's my roadmap. It's my roadmap for how did I go from being a bad boss, acknowledging it, recognizing and then what did I do once, you know, once you recognize that maybe things aren't working as well as they could, what do we do about it? And so I put these, this roadmap, if you will, of 12 lessons of what I reflect back on and say, here was my recipe for success. Here's how I, I became and I evolved. Um, am I without flaws? No, I, I hope not. I mean, I, I would really like to have flaws because that means that I'm living enough outside my comfort zone that I'm trying things and I'm taking risks and I'm stretching beyond what I think I'm capable of. And I think that's an exciting place and the branch I want to live on. <laughs> I want to live on the skinny branches, not on the ones where and it, it's, it's great. It's great modeling for others too. Oh, thank you. But it's okay to be vulnerable. Yes. I think it's right? very powerful. It's a strength to be vulnerable. I do too. I do it's, too. I think it's uh to play it safe, I think is is something that um didn't serve me in my earlier years when I when I played it safe. I, I've always and I, life is so much it tastes better. <laughs> it's more fun <laughs> to, to have um, to embrace uh, risk responsibly, and yeah. uh, and so I've learned all kinds of new stuff uh, living on the skinny branches, and I'll continue to do so. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, badassleader.com. Um, if you're interested in the book, you can certainly find out more information there. Um, email me, connect with me. I would love to um, can hear your story and uh, do you know whatever I can to help serve uh, your listeners. And and I really appreciate the invitation and the opportunity, Larry. Oh, you're you're so welcome. You're so welcome. You said you even you even offer um, a free coaching session. What I have is what we've done is we've actually uploaded a complimentary um, lesson. So lesson one is um, in the book is going to be uploaded on your podcast. So I'll send you the links for that. And then there's some goodies and giveaways that they can have with um, screensavers for their favorite lesson. And if someone's interested in having a um, a consultation with me, please absolutely ping me, reach out. We'll schedule some time. I would um, love to, to chat with them and and um, stay connected and see what I can do to to perhaps help in, in 
improve their journey or enhance their journey or okay. help their mindset. <laughs> very nice. Very nice. One thing I wanted to ask you yes, is every one of us confronts setbacks, whether it's 2008, whether it's 2020 and what happened to all of us who were in the business of talking in front of people and having groups around us. We all know the impact that these things made, or whether it's the environment we're living in now with a lot of uncertainty. Whatever it may be, a lot of people will end up focus, spending too much time focusing on the problem mm-hmm. and lose sight of the vision. And what have you, what would you suggest to our listeners who find themselves in situations right now where maybe they're not able to bring out the best in themselves? And they've put it on things outside of their control. Mm-hmm. What what have you learned that allows you to kind of smack yourself a little bit and say, "Whoa, I was almost starting to feel sorry for myself." Yeah, and and not that you know we don't want to spend a little time in in remorse or sadness. I mean, we need to be real, right? But we don't need to live there. No. So what happens to you when you start to go there? Where's your trigger? What what kind of snaps you out of it? Well, I definitely embrace my experience. So whatever it might be, if I'm feeling sad or if I'm feeling um, frustrated, you know, I allow myself to have my experience. Um, I just happen to have a really um, short book. I bookend it, you know, so I said, okay, I'm going to give myself, you know, maybe an hour or two hours or whatever it might be. I negotiate depending on the situation with myself. First off, I don't enjoy being in that space. That's not fun. And then secondly, it's that's a space that's a paralytic for me. It doesn't allow me to move to a different physiology. And uh, so I, I focus on, I have things that are my go-to. If I'm having a bad day, you know, I, if I change my physiology, that works for me. So my physiology could be changed by uh, maybe calling someone who isn't going to um, coddle me and help me stay in my victim stance. So it's about knowing who you can go to, who's going to help you shift um, your mindset into a healthier mindset, not someone who's going to help you be right about the fact that it sucks. Um, you know, so I so I make sure that I align with the right people for for whatever my needs are. And then I also do the same for them. And or for me, it's, uh, you know, maybe going for a walk, going for a drive, listening to music, doing some busy work, and I change my physiology, and I focus on how I want to feel and what mindset, what's the outcome that I want to achieve. And then who do I get to be to help support me in achieving that outcome? Well, I never really sit down and say the outcome I want to achieve is to feel really sad and to be a victim and be right about the fact that I'm justified for that. That's not an outcome that I would ever want. So therefore, I if I stay in that state, then that's the outcome I'm going to get. So I instead, I shift to a new outcome that um, that would better serve me and make me feel better. And then think about what are what's one thing I can do to move me toward that outcome. And then once I've done that, what's another thing? And then before I, I know it, I can shift my mindsets really quickly. It's just mm-hmm. the same as, you know, I travel for a living. I travel rigorously. And during 2019, I was literally on four to six flights a week. And inevitably, when you're flying, you're going to have cancellations, you're going to have delays, you're going to have all kinds of stuff that impact everything. And I work with, uh, I've worked with a lot of people who just really go into this really angered state. 
And I just think, well, no, I, first off, I've aligned myself with a great travel person. And so she knows as soon as something's wrong, she takes care of it. I find a great wine bar, try a new wine, sit down and have a great time and, and figure out how what, what my computer out, think about, well, I can knock these invoices out, or I can write a proposal, or I can update my next presentation for next time. This is really productive, sequestered time. So it's all about, it is what we make it. So choose to make it something that makes your life better. I, I, you know, I just, uh, I think that, you know, your, your, the work that you're doing, Larry, is, is incredibly important. And mindset is such a, I think we underrate it um, Mm -hmm. as a human race, because when you put on the TV, you know, all you hear is all this negativity on the media. And so I, I limit the toxicity um, and I choose to do things that serve my mindset and the quality of life that I want to live. And so, uh, you know, what things are we doing to harvest that for ourselves and to nurture that for ourselves and live a happy and I, I'm a huge per, uh, uh, person that works hard, but I also play hard and I sell I've learned to celebrate life and mm-hmm. losing some is the book will share. Um, there are some stories in there about loss. Not only I, my mother's not in the book, but there's another um, story in the book. And there's something to be really um, profound about just, you know, appreciating each day and, and living hard or living, working hard, playing hard and, and nurturing relationships, um, self-care, expanding your tribe. You know, these are the things that I think really enrich life. And so I mm-hmm. choose them and I'm intentional about about that. I'm disciplined about that aspect of my life the same way as I'm disciplined about getting up and, and um, get working on my business. So that's, uh, you know, again, it's choosing the mindset, be responsible for your mindset. Very nice. Very nice. And for anyone out there who's listening, going, well, yeah, it's easy to be upbeat and have such great charisma when you when everything's going well in your life. And I think they, if they're, if they're sharing that, they missed the point. You chose that on purpose. It wasn't an accident. You didn't wait for the right circumstances. You made them. Yeah. And and that is such an important lesson for all of us because, as you say, if we do drift into the media, there's, as I mentioned before, every good news newspaper has gone out of business. So, you know, we're, we have a lot of people don't know that they're just t- triggering our amygdala, which is fight, flight, freeze, and we shut our frontal lobes down so we can't reason. And that's why you you get into your physiology and you take those time out so that you can start reasoning again, if you will. Yes. yes. And the other thing, too, is you mentioned not spending too much time there. You have a you'll feel it, experience it. We don't want to, we don't want to get in denial. Well. Because those things, without that pain, there's no joy either. So, you know, we have to have the yin, the yang, and however you want to describe it. But you have been a wonderful and a great guest. Your information is invaluable. And uh, I hope people run to your website, call you up for coaching. And uh, just thank you so much for, for being a guest today for all of us. My pleasure. Thanks again, Larry. And I'm sure we'll be in touch. I look forward to it. Thank you. And and every one of you that are listening right now, as you've heard me say before, remember, wherever you are is exactly where you need to be. And as you've heard from Michelle, it's just a matter of choice. And you've got two options. Either get into the miserable, emotional mindset of everything that went wrong, 
or get into what's possible and have the time of your life learning from this incredible experience. So you continue to wallow in this wonderful thing that we're all experiencing, which is our own life. So thank you. Take care and look forward to hearing from you next time. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, we ask that you please subscribe and share with your friends and associates. Join Larry for his next guest, Brandon Miller. Brandon provides a unique insight which will have you convinced that a second passport is not just a nice-to-have, but a life-transforming investment. Investment Investment-oriented minds won't want to miss this one.